For some, 2018 was meant to be the year cryptocurrencies took off. It has been anything but that. The standard bear for the market, Bitcoin, hit a 13-month low this week, and digital assets overall have lost hundreds of billions this year. So what went wrong? This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me today is Bloomberg News Executive Editor and Cryptocurrency Guru, Joe Weisenthal. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thank you. So to understand what's happening to the cryptocurrency market, I think we need to first understand cryptocurrencies. What's the backstory? Yeah, well, I mean, about 10 years ago, uh, there was a white paper by uh, pseudonymous creator Satoshi Nakamoto that essentially revealed how a digital asset could be maintained without any sort of centralized database. So think about an email. If I mm -hmm. send you an email, there's a centralized database that knows I had a copy of the email and that you had a copy of the email. Or think about if I send you a song, we both have a copy of the song. But it's a much harder problem for me to send you a song and me not have the song anymore. The one way you could solve that is with a centralized entity that knows who has the songs. But if you did, wanted to cut that out, it'd be very hard. So essentially, the Bitcoin white paper laid out a uh, model for one person to send something else online with that person no longer having it and no centralized entity knowing what's what. That first thing that got passed from person to person became Bitcoin. And what makes it so exciting for people? I think it really is this idea of censorship resistance. And by that, by that, I mean, if I send it to you, nobody could say you're not allowed to do that. And so, obviously, if I send you money, then a government could say, oh, you're not allowed to send that across borders. You're not allowed to buy that thing or you're not allowed to um, – engage in that kind of commerce, and that could range anywhere from sort of uh, speech or some sort of politically, any, any, any commerce that the government doesn't want you to do. So it's this idea that the technology can route around big tech and government uh, in a way that I think people feel is very liberating. And and that commerce that some people yeah. initially were, were dealing with, was it kind of black market stuff. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the... Uh, Bitcoin and other crypto enthusiasts will downplay that and they'll say, oh, it's not just black market and stuff like that. But I actually think they're wrong, too. And I think that I understand why they're uncomfortable. But it, but the fact that Bitcoin can be used for uh, black market activity is sort of a proof of concept because it proves that you can do anything you want with it. You don't need permission from mm -hmm. a third party. And now, well, I yeah. guess really... And now, 10 years ago, someone bought a pizza with yeah. Bitcoin and a legitimate thing. And that's where we are today. People are using it across borders, across countries. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of still the central tension, which is that there's a lot of theoretical value and there's a lot of speculative value. But we don't really see a very much in commerce. There is some cross-border activity that's used, people circumventing capital controls, people attempting it to use uh, money to send back home at lower fees mm -hmm. than what uh, traditional methods are. But for the most part, it's still um, it's still more of a speculative asset slash store of value. And so people buy it with the expectation that they'll want to use it one day, but not really with the uh, expectation that they're going to use it to tomorrow for a typical transaction. Very few people are buying uh, pizza with it today. <laughs> um, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of talk around cryptocurrencies is Bitcoin. And yeah. I think that's the one people mo understand the most. They hear yeah. about it the most. And they maybe misunderstand that there's more than just one cryptocurrency. There's more than just Bitcoin, aren't there? There's, how many more are there? Well, now there's thousands. And so last year, I mean, really in the last few years, but last year especially, we just saw this absolute explosion. 
other cryptocurrencies are designed to take uh, on the Bitcoin building blocks, but do something slightly different. So maybe make it more anonymous, more harder to trace. Or other ones are designed to allow one to build applications and so-called smart contracts on top of them. So you think about, you know, you could in theory envision a system in which, say, Uber or Airbnb didn't have a centralized company attached to it that got to, that permissioned who could participate mm -hmm. in the network of driving cars or renting out their houses. So in theory, and it hasn't been done yet, but in theory, you could have something similar in which there's some sort of a decentralized database that people can buy into with a token and pay with a token. And that's one of the things that excites people about some of these alternative cryptocurrencies that are designed for that. But while there's a lot of theoretical value, we haven't actually, nothing's really gotten off the ground. And what about blockchain? How does blockchain play into this whole process? Well, blockchain is essentially a description of this uh, sort of system of organizing a series of transactions in a decentralized manner. And so one could say that the Bitcoin network is undergirded by a blockchain. You know, there's also a lot of hype and vaporware. So you hear a lot of stuff with companies trying to do things with blockchain or on the blockchain, decentralized attempts maybe five companies could form a consortium in which they share data on a blockchain. And while there's a lot of enthusiasm towards this, it's kind of a similar thing where there's very little that you can actually point to yet where people say, ah, this is working. All right, so that's a good backstory yeah. of, of Bitcoin and of cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So this brings us to where we are today. What's the price of Bitcoin uh, right now, and how does that compare to where it stood earlier this year? Well, late in uh, December 2017, Bitcoin came very close, or it was roughly $20,000 per coin today it's closer to 4500 uh, it, it's been it's been a very brutal week for a long time actually this year bitcoin was not very volatile and it was sort of floating around the 6000 to 6500 level and not doing very much and it was very sort of atypical of bitcoin's history but then we've seen really intense selling it again over the last week and again it's not just uh, bitcoin people are really liquidating all coins and the mm -hmm. smaller, more even more speculative coins, and saying something is more speculative than Bitcoin is saying a lot. <laughs> but even the smaller, more spe they've uh, fallen a lot worse for the most part. So this is probably the the billion dollar Bitcoin question. But what happened? That's always a tough thing. I mean, the, what happened most obvious is that there was a bubble, and so no one could really explain that. So you could have asked the same question when Bitcoin was at twenty thousand. You say what happened? You're like, well. People just uh, went crazy and bought a lot. And there wasn't really a good reason then because, like I said, there was no sort of real like funder fundamental underpinning in terms of commerce or obvious use yet for these digital currencies. So what happened now is we're just seeing the backside of that and just sort of ongoing liquidation. And like all bubbles on the way down, you see bounces. And you see it's like, ah, oh, finally, this is over, and the, they'll rally 20%, and then the liquidation just continues. There are a lot of uh, smaller stories that don't look good lately. So during uh, 2017, one of the biggest stories was ICOs, initial coin offering, mm -hmm. in which these entities was, would essentially launch these coins of their own, and they would raise money, um, usually in Ethereum, another cryptocurrency, and now we see regulators starting to crack down on these and say, look, these are just traditional securities and you can't flout securities laws like that. So that uh, 
the worry is that a lot of these entities are going to be selling the coins that they've amassed, and that'll just create this cascading effect. And but they, you know, we we saw a lot of selling even prior to some of this regulatory crackdown. So it's never easy to very neatly pinpoint a story with a price move. You know, the past week or so, we've been seeing a sell-off in the cryptocurrency market, but we've also been seeing a sell-off in the equities market. Yeah. Is there any correlation? It's really hard to say. Um, you know, I do think that as a general manner, as a general um, theme, during really good times in the markets, in 2017 was an amazing time, where not only were markets going up quite a bit, but also there wasn't much volatility, you tend to see speculative manias mm-hmm. manifest themselves because people feel they have extra money, they want to take more risk. And so to some extent, I do think that the volatility that we're seeing in the market saps uh, risk capital and that people feel a little less likely to take punts and take bets mm-hmm. in very risky speculative markets when they're not feeling as good about their own finances, which is what you would expect to see in a sort of market volatility. So it's probably tenuous, but there is some connection. And I'll say one of the hopes or theories from uh, cryptocurrency enthusiasts is that these uh, coins would protect people against market volatility in a downturn. That obviously hasn't worked out. So they're not a safe haven? Um, No, not a safe haven from general market volatility. There could be safe haven characteristics of them. So, for example, again, think about if you were in a regime that really cracked down on uh, the types of one's ability to move their savings out of the country or other form of commerce. There could be safe haven-like aspects of them. But from a traditional safe haven standpoint where you buy these during market volatility, we haven't seen that use case emerge. Over the years, has there been a constant concern or warning signs from from titans of industry that cryptocurrencies are a bubble, as you said? Yeah. What were they saying? Well, they've said this all along. It's like, oh, it's a bubble and there's no intrinsic value and it's a fraud. But and it's important to bear in mind, I mean, a lot of people have been saying this since like Bitcoin was at 100. So, yes, in the la- you know, anyone who said that this year is probably looking pretty good <laughs> because of the crash. But you could just like, zoom out two or three years, and they're looking terrible. Um, so I don't put a lot of uh, stake in a lot of uh, stake in it one way or another on this. Is there any prevailing theory of what needs to happen in 2019 to make cryptocurrency successful? I don't know about something like immediately useful. I mean, here's the thing. I was thinking about, you know, if you think back to late 2017 and there were all those articles about everyone getting rich and this crazy culture of cryptocurrencies and people buying Lamborghinis and stuff like that. It's hard to imagine we're just going to ever like go back to that straight up where it's like, hey, we're back and we're just buying it like crazy. So it seems like you'd have to have some sort of use or some sort of growing population for whom cryptocurrencies play a meaningful role in their lives beyond just speculation. That being said, I mean, I think one of the things that is sort of slowly getting built is so-called like uh, custodial solutions for institutions. So if a hedge fund wanted to buy Bitcoin in 2017, it would be hard because where do they even store it in a Mm -hmm. traditional setting? But as more uh, institutions service that demand, you could start to see some institutional money by come in, but you know, who knows when that really is going to make a difference. Is Bitcoin here to stay, or does it have a shelf life in a year or two or more? I don't see any reason to think that it'll be gone within a few years. Joe, thank you. Thank you. Make sure to follow Joe on Twitter. He's at the Stalwart. 
That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening to Please. Head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers. And you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.